I wasn't sure what time it was. And when I tried to look at my phone, I just couldn't see at all. My eyes were like on stalks, like I couldn't sort of focus on anything. And I felt like my brain was malfunctioning somehow. I tried to get out of bed and I just had like no balance at all either. So I was really disorientated, really confused, but I was quite convinced it was the middle of the night. I wasn't sure of the time and I didn't want to wake my husband up. I managed to get myself to the bottom of the stairs and just around the corner, we've got a sofa and that's where my husband found me. So I can't remember much after that, but he found me seemingly asleep but actually not not really conscious on the sofa not not many minutes later about 10 minutes later i have a vague memory of thinking it was snowing i think i was looking at the window and trying to figure out what time of day it was he realized that i wasn't responding and he, he started to get a bit worried so he turned the light on and was giving me a little shake and trying to trying to wake me up and i was quite unconscious at that point and he, he kind of lifted my body up and saw that the left hand side of my face had, had drooped. In the time we were waiting I was starting to come round, I was becoming more conscious and I started to be able to hold my um, head up a little bit and I was just really disorientated and confused and I, 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 I do describe it as being away with the fairies as well because I wasn't scared, I was just like on another planet. I didn't know what was happening, really. Hello, it's Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Today we'll hear from Hayley Fern from Hugglescote in Leicestershire. Hayley was 48 when she suffered her stroke. I was a full-time secondary school art teacher. I also was volunteering as an independent visitor at weekends with teenagers in foster care. I also was in the middle of a challenge to draw every Leicester Diocese church, of which there's 310. I painted, I did a lot of crafts. My kids have grown up and left home, so home's pretty peaceful. So I live with my husband and my dog. It was a Monday morning. It was actually Halloween. It was the 31st of October. So having had no previous symptoms, but possibly a couple of funny turns that I didn't put down to anything, I woke up in the morning and the clocks had gone back. So I wasn't sure what time it was. And when I tried to look at my phone, I just couldn't see at all. My eyes were like on stalks, like I couldn't sort of focus on anything. And I felt like my brain was malfunctioning somehow. I tried to get out of bed and I just had like no balance at all either. So I was really disorientated, really confused, but I was quite convinced it was the middle of the night. I wasn't sure of the time and I didn't want to wake my husband up. So I kind of battled my way across the room and started to make my way down the stairs, kind of clinging onto the sides. I think I was so focused on sort of trying to snap out of it I think rather than accept it because I kept thinking what's going on this is you know am I having a weird dream or something and I managed to get myself to the bottom of the stairs and just around the corner we've got a sofa and that's where my husband found me so I can't remember much after that but he found me 
seemingly asleep, but actually not not really conscious on the sofa, not not many minutes later, about 10 minutes later. I have a vague memory of thinking it was snowing. I think I was looking at the window and trying to figure out what time of day it was. And all I could see was thick snow and it wasn't snowing, it, it turned out. My husband, Kieran, he found me, he thought I'd, he thought I'd probably just woken up really early and I'd gone downstairs and I was, I was tired so I'd perhaps had a nap so he was listening out for the usual no- morning sounds when you you know you're making your drinks and things and he couldn't hear anything so he'd come down he was shouting me and I hadn't responded so he, he was trying to gently wake me up at first it was pitch dark but it was about six o'clock half six in the morning some around that sort of time and he realised that I wasn't responding and he, he started to get a bit worried. So he turned the light on and was giving me a little shake and trying to trying to wake me up. And I was quite unconscious at that point. And he, he kind of lifted my body up and saw that the left hand side of my face had, had drooped in what, what we we'd think of as a classic sign of stroke. But being 48 and it was completely out of the blue, it I don't think it even occurred to him. I think he he just was really confused. He didn't know what was happening. And then I started to come round and I was trying to speak, but I didn't make any sense. So I was talking gobbledygook. And that's when he really started to panic. And the first thing he did actually was his cousin is an A&E nurse and she lives literally five minutes away. And he, he thought, what's going on? I don't really understand. And he phoned her up and she said, I'm on my way, call 999. So it was amazing. So he he was able to get some support straight away. And I, in the meantime, I was like a rag doll. He was trying to keep my body upright, but I was just flopping forwards and I seemed to have no no control over my body at all. And I can't obviously remember this. But yeah, his um, his cousin arrived and she was really good. And I was starting to become a little bit more conscious by then. And she immediately went into kind of doing some quite basic checks with me and was speaking to me. And I think she realized it was a stroke, um, but didn't actually want to say that word to my husband at that point. So they were just waiting for the ambulance. Paramedics arrived 45 minutes later. It seemed incredible that we couldn't get an ambulance, but um, it actually came, I think, from Derby or somewhere. So it did take a while. I mean, it was early on a Monday morning, and I don't think it was an especially busy time. But yeah, it was it was it was a long time. So in in the time we were waiting, I was starting to come round. I was becoming more conscious. And I started to be able to hold my um, head up a little bit. And I was just really disorientated and confused. And I, 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 I do describe it as being away with the fairies as well because I wasn't scared. I was just like on another planet. I didn't know what was happening really. So when the, the two um, paramedics arrived, I was starting to speak and I was, I was speaking, but I was slurring. I'm normally quite a fast speaker and, you know, my husband and, and cousin realised that I didn't sound right I still wasn't quite sounding right, but I was able to converse with the paramedics and they were doing my um, like blood pressure checks and things like that. And I was able to kind of respond a little bit. And I think they thought it, it, I'm not sure they thought it was a stroke because 
they were like, oh, she doesn't seem that bad. I don't know if they were playing it down or whether or not it just, I was starting to present a lot better by them. My face was starting to come back even. So it was my cousin, well, my husband's cousin who said, she described the symptoms that she witnessed when she arrived, which I think made them take it a bit more seriously. So I was able to walk to the ambulance with a, with support either side of me. So I got into the ambulance and during the journey to Leicester, which took, I don't know, it probably took about 45 minutes as well. I was kind of chatting really. So I think they were, they were being quite relaxed about me. And when I got to the hospital, I think by then the general consensus was that I probably had a TIA. I'd never heard of one of those. So I didn't know anything about any of this at all. I had no experience of, of strokes at all. So I was left in a waiting room, basically. And my husband, he hadn't come in the ambulance because he was convinced that I would be staying in. So he's like trying to pack a bag and sort the dog out and things. So he was joining me on his motorbike in a little while. So I was kind of sat there on my own in this kind of quite busy waiting room. And I just was there in my pyjamas. And the whole thing is quite surreal. I've got kind of broken memories of it and just thinking I should be at school what's going on you know I, I this is what time is it and I, I remember just feeling really confused and disorientated but anyway they took me through and started to do basic tests blood test and I had a CT scan and that didn't reveal any brain bleed so my husband had arrived at this point and they said, okay, it might be a TIA. She's presenting quite well, that we can't see anything else, anything major, anything life-threatening right now. Oh, I was given some blood thinners, aspirin, and, and I can't remember what else, to be honest. And anyway, so he, they said to him, are you able to stay with her? And he said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they sent us home. So he had to go back on his motorbike and get the car. And by the time he came back to the hospital, I was pretty much wandering around. I was able to walk, but I was almost like I was walking as if I was drunk. I was a little bit kind of swaying and trying to hold on to things. And it was just such a strange uh, morning. We were told to go home. I would need to rest. He'd need to keep an eye on me. And then I'd go back in not the next day, but the day after for an MRI scan. And that should tell them what had happened to me. After reviewing her MRI, doctors discovered Haley had suffered a severe stroke. Really, I just went home and slept. And then when we went back, I'd really kind of, I was absolutely exhausted. I just seemed to sleep more or less the whole time. And it was only when I had the MRI scan that everything changed. So they, they went from being quite relaxed with me to quite serious. So I was immediately taken through to see the consultant and he showed me the slices of my brain. And then there was a big white blob and he said, so you've had a stroke. And at no point really had anyone said that word to me at that point. So that was a really big shock. I mean, we sort of listened to it and nodded and smiled. And then we went back out into the waiting room and my husband said, did he just say you've had a stroke? I was like, I think, I think he did. So he said, listen, I'm just going to go back in and double check that we didn't hear that wrong. <laughs> so we, because he'd said, have you got any questions? And we both looked at him completely blankly. <laughs> 
So he went back in and, and the consultant said, yeah, yeah, she's had a stroke. And we just had no idea what happens next. We, we were kind of, he said, yeah, just go back out and wait. And then a nurse came and gave me, she basically took me into another room and was really, really lovely to me. And kind of, you know, when somebody's almost overly sympathetic as if something really bad's happened, but you've not fully grasped the situation. I was still disorientated. I was still kind of experiencing a few strange symptoms and I was a little bit slurred in my speech. So I, I don't think I was fully aware of, of everything, to be honest with you. But I remember just getting this bag of medication and she was trying to explain this whole kind of procedure, you know, this whole schedule I was going to have to take these medicines for and the the consultant gave gave us both this note that just said stroke and it said four weeks do not drive you you know it's a sick note you're not you're not going to work and I, I mean I've been working at my school for about 15 years and I've never even taken a full week off before so I was quite I was more focused on school and what was happening and whether I'd you know they'd managed to get cover for me and things like that so yes, that, from that moment on, we did go home. I mean, I suppose there was no point keeping me in. He was told to stay with me, not to leave me on my own at all. So we we went home and we were quite paranoid about even me going to the bathroom, you know, any anywhere that I wasn't in his sight. So it was much more traumatic for him in a way. And then, you know, we just kind of processed it really. And then that just started what, is is now kind of nine months off work. Coming up, Haley talks about visiting her GP for advice. He did recommend that I got in touch with some charities. So he recommended the Stroke Association and different strokes because I was obviously quite young, really. So to talk to other people of working age that had had a stroke was really useful. So he also referred me to a physio. That came through pretty quickly and I had a really lovely physiotherapist who came to my house once a week and we did lots of exercises but she was also brilliant at just being someone to talk to and I could ask her anything and she quite often checked in on my mental health as well so I really appreciated that. And returning to work. Physically I am doing really well. I've I've still got a weakness down my left hand side but it's nothing really dramatic but he said really now it's about building your confidence and just starting to try and do a bit more so that's where I'm at right now so so we're on my summer holidays now because obviously it's the school holidays so I've got a few weeks to continue just resting but I have got a proper phased return at the beginning of next term. Fatigue affected the early stages of Haley's recovery At first, I think I was just too tired to do anything. I was sleeping, you know, all the time. I'd I'd wake up for an hour and then I'd be too tired. I'd go back to sleep. So I was just kind of eating, drinking, just lying on the settee. I'd get out of bed, but I really can't remember much about the first couple of months. And then I started to wonder, I just wanted some answers really. So we went along to the chemist it's always a nightmare to get a doctor's appointment, as we all know. So we went to the chemist to try and ask a little bit about what 
what does one do when one's had a stroke? What happens next? Because we were kind of left in a bit of a no man's land. It was like, go home, rest, take these tablets. But there was no sign of any kind of follow-up. I mean, we, we thought it might be in the pipeline, but we didn't really know. And I think the difference with um, being admitted to hospital or being an outpatient is that as an outpatient, I never really had a package of care or a, a sort of plan. So the chemist was, I mean, I, I got quite upset actually because I didn't even realise that the medication I was taking was going to be probably for life. I was still of the very strong opinion that I was going to get better and that this was a one-off event. So the chemist actually said, look, you need to really sit down and talk to somebody. You need to get, let's let's make you a doctor's appointment, but we'll do an evening one so that they can spend some time with you and explain what's happened. So we went along to that and that doctor was absolutely brilliant. This GP realised that I'd not, I was kind of a we were both just in shock, really. So he he spent some time with us kind of explaining that the, the stroke was in the thalamus part of my brain. He said when he saw my scans, in all honesty, he didn't think I'd be able to speak. He didn't think I'd manage the stairs. He said it's a really central part of the brain that it, kind of all your messages go through it from left to right. I was experiencing a lot of um, weakness and my left side wasn't quite working properly. I was definitely not able to grip my left hand. I couldn't feel anything. I was really dizzy. So just walking, it was more, I was still kind of swaying and really kind of disorientated and stuff. He said all of that was completely normal and, you know, it was it was actually going to take a, quite a long time. So think of it more as a one to three year recovery time, which was another shock. So but he did he did recommend that I got in touch with some charities. So he recommended the Stroke Association and different strokes because I was obviously quite young, really. So to talk to other people of working age that had had a stroke was really useful. So he also referred me to a physio. That came through pretty quickly. And I had a really lovely physiotherapist who came to my house once a week. And we did lots of exercises, but she was also brilliant at just being someone to talk to. And I could ask her anything. And she quite often checked in on my mental health as well. So I really appreciated that. Hayley is now satisfied with the progress she's making. I've made a really, really good recovery. I think the last couple of months especially, I, I did seem to plateau for a time. I, I got to the stage where I was I was functioning. Nobody wanted me to rush back to work. It's quite a demanding job. So I think the general feeling was that if I continued to rest, they, they found somebody to do long-term cover for me. So I had no pressure to go back to work for a while. So I just continued to rest, really, and I suddenly found myself in a really sedate lifestyle. So I'd, I'd, you know, be sleeping for 10, 11 hours a night, and then I'd still have an afternoon nap. And that gradually got slightly better. But, you know, I started using a walking stick about a month in, partly just to give me a bit of confidence. And it was also quite useful as a an outward sign to people that I was quite slow and, uh, you know, probably wasn't going to be dashing around and I, I found I was also quite sensitive to loud noises I wasn't very good with anything in after five o'clock in the afternoon so 
generally I just kind of seemed to turn into somebody like a really old lady it was it was a completely different life I stopped everything and really that that has carried on I got to the stage where I think about six months in where I started to talk to my school manager and I started to do a little bit more. So I'd go, I started, I went back to church after about four months and that was really lovely, really emotional. So I was managing to do that. And, you know, I'd seen quite a few, most of the times people have visited me, but I was starting to get out and visit people in cafes. The physio said she was happy for me to drive. I was driving an automatic, so about four months in she said you can start having a little go at driving because I think you actually need the confidence boost as well so that and that went really well so all the signs have been really good I've now got to the stage where I was visiting school three times a week but it was very much on my own terms I've not been teaching per se but I have been doing some one-to-one tutorials with um, with older students for, for a lot of that really has been to get myself climatized back to because it's a really big school I work at so just to kind of navigate the corridors and to get used to the noise and the hustle and bustle and and to see people as well like I said I've worked there for a long time so I, I'd really scared everybody so I think it was just lovely to to get back in and to say hello and to show that I was I was going to be able to come back so The most recent turn of events has been that we, well, I I had my occupational health assessment last week and that I think my school were kind of waiting for that. We, you know, they applied for that a few months ago for me. And so I did have a whole host of tests and checks and things with that. It was a really thorough appointment. I was there for a few hours to be honest, one of the things that he diagnosed me with, which I hadn't really thought much about, was that he said that I'm almost certainly suffering with a bit of um, post-traumatic anxiety. And actually, physically, I am doing really well. I've, I've still got a weakness down my left-hand side, but it's nothing really dramatic. But he said, really, now it's about building your confidence and just starting to try and do a bit more so that's where I'm at right now so so we're on my summer holidays now because obviously it's the school holidays so I've got a few weeks to continue just resting but I have got a proper phased return at the beginning of next term. Finally Hayley thinks she should never refuse help. I really benefited from a huge amount of support when it happened to me. And I think you have to accept every bit of support that's offered. My, what for, for me, I think I was able to kind of sleep and rest and just be looked after. I think my husband needed quite a lot of support. And what, what we found was um, being part of a community and being, you know, kind of friends with our neighbours helped because it was just sometimes those little moments of him being in a meeting and me having to just have somebody with me. So so gather gather support and really is absolutely true that you just have to rest. You really do have to rest. And the best thing you can do is sleep. And the more you the more you sleep through it, it's less <laughs> less traumatic if you can do that as well. But also your brain is amazing at um, doing its absolute best at recovering. So obviously every single stroke's different. So 
the, you know, my my blood clot is in the thalamus part of my brain. I was obviously very lucky because it could have been a lot worse. But my brain just wanted to have time, really. So give yourself lots of time. I know some people try and rush back to work or try and, you know, particularly if they're like me and they're not very obviously disabled. I've found there's been a, quite a few residual invisible disabilities, such as the oversensitivity to noise, the left side weakness, um, the, the dizziness. And none of those are obvious. And I get a lot of people saying to me, but you look really well. Because people have an image of a stroke, don't they? So I think this is why I have been talking about it and sharing my story because it's not always the image of a stroke. And also it's it's lovely to be able to now say that it's, for me, it's it, I'm now in a really optimistic position where I am looking to return to work and it didn't take everything from me. So you can recover from them. It's not always the case, of course. Hayley's doctors were surprised at the recovery she made and she's now back driving, walking the dog and looking forward to returning to work. Thanks for listening to Stroke Stories. Please do share the episodes that you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please get in touch via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.